teachings of the Ascended Masters have been called the path above the path. The Ascended Masters themselves are the saints and sages of East and West, and their teachings incorporate the original core beliefs of all the world's major religions. No matter which religious path you follow, you will find these teachings equally compelling. This is The Open Door. Come along with us as we explore the teachings of the Ascended Masters. Here are the hosts for The Open Door, Ross Brunson and Tom Schumacher. Well, greetings, everyone, and thanks once again for joining us today. You are tuned to The Open Door, the Internet voice of the Summit Lighthouse, where we publish and practice the teachings of the Ascended Masters. I'm Tom Schumacher. And I'm Ross Brunson. Today, our focus is on angels how to work with them, and how to have them work with us. You know, Ross, everybody's familiar with the concept of guardian angels. Um, in fact, we are taught that we each have a special angel whose duty is to look after us, whispering words of warning, guidance, and encouragement. Mm -hmm. But there's a whole universe of angels in addition to guardian angels. In fact, the angelic realm is infinitely vast and varied. You know, and we can be intimately connected with this angelic realm, if we wish. Mm -hmm. And I do. <laughs> the fact is, angels want to be with us. They want to be a part of our lives, and they want to help us solve our problems, big and small. You know, perhaps even more importantly, um, the angels can give us a glimpse of our higher self, which is to say, our real spiritual self. And, you know, at the risk of sounding commercial, <laughs> and I'm going to, uh, I would like to point out that we do have many books available in, on angels, including Fallen Angels. Mm -hmm. I'd like to mention them here in case you want more information. I mean, there's only so much we can cover in an hour. You know, people have told us that they are particularly interested in angels in from all angles. Uh, maybe you want to mention a couple of titles? Absolutely. Uh, these are all available on our website, tsl.org. Just click on Bookstore and you can find them. They're also available from Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, and other printed digital book outlets, including yep. Google Books. The first two are part of our very popular Pocket Guide series. The first one, How to Work with Angels, and the second, I Am Your Guard, How Archangel Michael Can Protect You. And we've got books on Fallen Angels as well. In fact, there are currently our best-selling titles. You know, that's right. Fallen Angels and the Origins of Evil, and Fallen Angels Among Us, What You Need to Know. Now, all four of these books we've mentioned are written by Elizabeth Clare Prophet, and they are definitely worth checking out. Um, so let's focus on the good angels for the moment. Okay. How do we get to know and work with them? Well, there are 10 steps that come from the pocket guide, How to Work with Angels, mm -hmm. that we'd like to lay out for you right now. The first one, make room in your life for angels. Good advice. Uh, let's explain that. You'll, you'll hear our friend Terry Kennedy in a minute telling us more about this. But here's the point. Angels live in the world of spirit. We mostly live in the world of matter. <laughs> Angels naturally gravitate toward their own spiritual realm, so if we want to attract them closer to us into this world, it helps to make our thoughts, our feelings, and our surroundings more like theirs. Yep. That's what we mean when we say make room in our lives for angels, and it just makes sense. It does. The second step is to pray aloud. Now, of course, angels hear the silent prayers in our hearts and respond to them, mm -hmm. but praying aloud can really add another powerful dimension to our relationships with angels. There is power in your voice, and use it whenever you can. In spoken prayers called decrees, for example, which we've spoken of before. And we'll definitely. Uh, we certainly will. Also, use your voice to shape fiats or commands. The words you use are important, but it is your intention and the loving strength of your spoken prayers that matters most. You know, it's also good to mention at this point that we typically say, you know, according to the will of God, uh -huh. because we don't always know that what we're calling for is, you know, Yep, the right thing. A great point. In step three, let's use the name of God. God is inside of us, 
And when we use the energy of God that's within us to direct the angels, they can answer with all the power in the universe. You literally have the power to create in God's name, there's that theme again, <laughs> and to command the angels. Indeed. And step four, the angels are always there. So give your prayers and decrees daily. When you do this every day, you create a well-traveled pathway from your heart to theirs and back again. And expressly and ask you, as yeah. it were. <laughs> Step five, ask for help. Really simple. Yeah. I mean, you know, ask for help. Mm -hmm. Even after you've established a relationship with angels, you must remember that they completely respect your free will. Mm -hmm. In rare occasions, they can and will intercede if the need is immediate and dire and your karma allows it. But most often, they will politely wait to be called upon. I didn't say Patiently. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Step six, repeat step two. Excellent. Remember, step two is saying prayers aloud. Step six is do this repeatedly. That's right. And we've talked about in previous episodes oh. that repeating prayers and decrees multiple times, you know, the first one's for God, the rest are for us, yeah. uh, increases the strength and power of that prayer. No, exactly. And the more prayer we can add, the more power, I should say, we can add to our prayers and decrees, the more powerful the response we can expect from angels. That's right. In step seven, send your prayer to the right address. <laughs> but we're not suggesting that you mail it in, as it were. Yeah, I'm no. sure the date and time stamp matters. <laughs> <laughs> so what we want to do is we want to give it all we've got. Yeah. But here's what we mean when we talk about sending our prayers to the right place. There are different angels for different, well, shall we say, jobs. Yeah, right. You, you wouldn't call an accountant to fix a leak in your plumbing. Not and have no. it work, no. <laughs> um, so if you've got a relationship that needs to be fixed, you want to direct your prayer to the angels of love. Yeah, in fact, there are seven major categories of angels, if you will. Angels of love, angels of protection, angels of guidance, angels yeah. of joy, uh -huh. illumination, angels of healing, angels of peace. You'll know what the situation calls for, and now you know who to call. Yeah, and step eight, be specific. You've heard us say before that if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. Well, the same holds true for the requests we make of angels. That's right. And angels are particularly fond of being precise yep. and answering our prayers precisely. So the more specific the request, the more specific the answer can and will be. Yeah. And as long as you are living your life in harmony with the universal source and devoting your energy to helping others, the angelic hosts will help you make with the smallest details of your life. When you say the smallest details, I, I know years ago, my mother used to uh, used to make a call for, for parking angels. <laughs> I don't know if that's actually a category, but literally parking spots would appear. This is busy downtown Los Angeles. Oh. You know, I know a lot of people who, who make those, those little calls. Yeah, parking karma plays something of a role in this too, I think. <laughs> yes. Step nine, visualize what you want to happen. The more of your faculties and, and yourself that you can bring to bear on a situation, the more powerful the response. Not only do you want to maintain a strong mental image of the result that you want to achieve, but you can strengthen that image even more by visualizing brilliant light surrounding the problem or the situation. Yeah, and the final step, step 10, I think is our, our personal motto. I should speak for myself, but I suspect it's probably you know yours too. Be surprised. I thought it was be prepared. Well, that's the old scout motto. This Amazing. is the angel scouts here. Gotcha. Be surprised. Uh, look, the fact is that angels are neither genies nor Santa Claus. Mm -hmm. When discussing angels and the power of prayer, inevitably someone will ask, well, how come some of my prayers seem to be answered immediately while others take years if they're answered at all? You know, it's a basic understanding. It may seem like a mystery until we realize that the angel's ability to answer a prayer is based on the cumulative effects of our past actions, yeah. our good and bad deeds, or karma. And the angels have to play by the rules of karma. <laughs> they do. The angels hear all of your prayers, all of our prayers. But in order for our requests to be granted, they must satisfy three conditions. One, 
they may not interfere with God's plan for our soul or with our karma. Two, they must not be harmful to you or to anyone else. And three, the timing must be right. Right. If your prayers don't seem to be answered, it may be because the angels are trying to tell you something. <laughs> yeah, but don't give up. Try revising your prayers and know that the angels will give you the best answer they can. You know, it always always seems that our prayers will bear fruit. Yep. And, you know, we just we just have to know where to look. Yep. Yep. You know, it's always, something's always going to happen. There's, there's never not an effect when you make no, it a prayer. I, I agreed. You know, a, a few minutes ago, we mentioned we'd be hearing from our friend Terry Kennedy um, about working with angels. Well, why don't we listen to that now? Okay. How to work with angels. Everyone has heard angel stories. Angels pull people back from the edges of cliffs and out of the paths of oncoming trains. They warn people to avoid dangerous situations. They guide those facing tough decisions. They comfort, enlighten, and heal. But how can you get the angels to help you? You are about to learn how to develop a relationship with the angels so that when you call, they answer. You'll hear about how people have used specific techniques to receive angelic guidance and inspiration, and how the angels go to work for them, handling everything from the mundane details of life to miracle cures, to highway rescue. Take Alex, who lost control of his car on an icy road. As he slid toward a precipice, he called to Archangel Michael. His car immediately moved back into the middle of the road, almost as if it had been pushed by hand. Then there was Verlene, who got angelic assistance when she went blank while taking a test. The first thing to consider is, what are angels? And why do they answer our prayers? Angels are to God what sunbeams are to the sun. God created the angels to serve and minister to us. Answering our prayers is their reason for being. Although we live in the material world, we have a special link to God through His angels. And we each have a part of God, a divine spark, within us that allows us to ask the angels for help and to expect results. As long as what you are asking them to do is positive and will not hurt others or interfere with your life plan, the angels will answer your call. Not only can you ask them to help you personally, but you can also direct them, even command them, to perform larger tasks like stopping crime and saving children from violence and drugs. The angels are literally waiting for you to give them assignments, for there is one rule they seldom break. They don't intervene in our world unless we ask them to. Keep that in mind as we discuss the first part of a 10-point plan for getting the angels to work for you. Number 1. The angels live in the world of spirit, the heaven world, and we live in the world of matter. Angels naturally gravitate toward their home. So if you want the angels to feel comfortable with you, you need to make your world, your thoughts, feelings, and surroundings more like theirs. To paraphrase the epistle of James, draw near to the angels and they will draw near to you. The angels are comfortable with thoughts of peace and love, not with irritation and aggression. You may not be able to put out of your mind the rude driver who cut in front of you on your way home, but you can free yourself from the irritation, starting by communing with the angels for just a few minutes a day. First, separate yourself from distractions. Turn off the radio and TV, go into a room by yourself or to your favorite nature spot, 
Imagine an angel in your mind. It helps to have a picture of your favorite angel nearby and commune with the angels. Simply talk to the angels about your problems. Talk as if you were talking to your best friend and then listen. Be silent and wait for the thoughts that the angels will put into your mind. You may want to use some of the techniques in this book to increase the flow of positive energy from the angels. Before long, your relationship with the angels will turn into an upward spiral. The angels will help you to feel more positive, And feeling positive will bring you closer to the angels. Perspective. Uh-huh. When we hear an interview with Elizabeth Clare Prophet entitled Angels and Your Aura, don't go away. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? And how do I get there? These are some of the basic questions we all ask ourselves on the spiritual path, and the answers we find certainly vary. Who are you? You are a child of God, and as a child of God, you carry within you the seed of actually becoming God. This seed is your Christ self, the same in you that is in Jesus Christ. Why are you here? To master yourself in order to graduate from Earth's schoolroom and reunite with the heart of God. Essentially, you are following in the footsteps of Jesus and other great saints and sages who have gone before. Where are you going? Home. Call it nirvana, the hereafter, the heaven world, whatever you want. It's the next stop on your journey. And finally, how do you get there? Let us show you how. Visit us at www.tsl.org. We are the Summit Lighthouse. We practice and publish the teachings of the Ascended Masters, and we've got answers to all of your questions. Visit tsl.org today. The Summit Lighthouse. Master yourself. Become God. Zoom Leadership. It's the big picture issues of the day, up close and personal capabilities of leadership, and a desirable future of constant renewal. Zoom Leadership. It's the economic crisis made clear, patterns and perspectives of leadership, and the importance of changing the way we pursue our future. Join host John Schmidt every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time. Zoom Leadership. An inside look at what's really going on in business, government, and civil society. Tune in every week on the Voice America Business Channel. Be Extraordinary. Seventh Wave Network. You are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Ross Brunson and Tom Schumacher. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. In the following interview entitled Angels and Your Aura, Elizabeth Clare Prophet discusses how the aura reflects the condition of our subconscious mind and how certain angels can be instrumental in determining the nature of our aura. How does our daily experience affect our auras? Kathumi gives us a very interesting explanation of this and... Truly, when I read his writings, I'm most impressed by the profound understanding he has of the psychology of man. And indeed, he is a psychologist among ascended masters. 
He is talking about the transmittal of the data of our experience world to the subconscious. And he explains that this transmittal is automatic. It functions by the law of each man's being. And out of the storehouse of memory, we have an instantaneous recall of events, persons, and places of an entire lifetime that is almost a magical feat. He explains the process as that which is involved with the individual's own Christ mind and the one who assists that Christ mind, who is the recording angel. The recording angel was spoken of by Jesus, who gave the comment, For I say unto you that their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. Jesus' reference to the recording angel gives us the understanding that the angel is always aware of God and yet always aware of man. So he stands at that midpoint of the mediator with our own Christ self. And he is responsible, as Kathumi teaches us, for assisting in the recording, even though it is an automatic computer-like process. The recording angel assists us in the transfer, the sorting, and the classification of data from the world in which we live to the subconscious mind, which interpolates that data. Now, the reason Kathumi is bringing this up is because the subconscious mind is immediately reflected in the aura, and the aura itself reflects the total being, the tip of the iceberg as well as the iceberg that is below the water. And so, Kathumi is introducing us to the fact that we have assigned to us by God, by Jesus' own words, this recording angel. And he further explains that not only the recording angel, but many other among the angelic hosts are available to man in the hour of need. What role do angels play in determining the nature of our auras? Angels are the creations of God who are sent to minister unto us who are the sons and daughters of God. Angels act as angles of God's consciousness. And an angle of God's consciousness is a mathematical formula, a geometric force field that allows for the transfer of energy from a higher frequency to a lesser frequency, just like we have transformers for the holding and distribution of electricity. So angels serve to amplify the feelings of God. Does God have feelings? Yes, he does. God has desire. What is God's desire? God has one desire, and that is to be God. In order to be God, he has created his entire cosmos and the supreme creation, man, woman, made in his image and likeness. In order for God to be the fullness of himself, he has also created angelic beings, who by cosmic law must come in answer to the call of man and woman, his own sons and daughters. And therefore, Jesus said, Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my Father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels. Jesus knew that if he called upon the angelic hosts that they would deliver him from his plight, yet he desired not to be delivered because he was fulfilling the initiation of the crucifixion as an example for all of us to follow. The point here is that we can, in the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of the Christ within us all, call to the Father to send us 
angelic hosts to deliver us from personal problems, world conditions, financial matters, our grief with our children and the problems they are facing, or pornography in the cities, whatever the condition, we can call to God and by cosmic law, when we call to Him in the name of the Christ, these angelic hosts will come. And the connection with the aura is, is that they come as it were trailing clouds of glory. They come with their auras filled with the light of God because they are electrodes, storehouses of energy. And when they come to us in answer to our call, they fill our aura with their light. It's like a transfusion from the great central sun. They have access to so much more of God's energy than we do that when we call them, we receive then this enormous quantity of light and it is the light that transmutes the darkness and therefore when we are in grief they bring us joy when there is fear and darkness they bring love when there is envy and jealousy they bring the light of truth so the angelic hosts conduct the feelings of God the gentle qualities of mercy and justice the angelic hosts are our greatest friends they keep the way of the tree of life as the great seraphim and the cherubim there are many offices and hierarchies of angels there are the seven beloved archangels who are headed by Archangel Michael and his legions of blue flame angels these are the defenders of the faith and they protect the Holy Church they protect the teaching of Christ and above all they protect us from harm we must therefore develop the habit of invoking the angelic hosts and this means simply saying dear God send me your angels today send them to me I pray I call for the light of the angelic host to fill me with healing with understanding and I call for the angelic hosts and legions from the great central Sun to heal the wounds of the nations and to balance our government our education and to bring our youth into the Christ consciousness and the understanding of the Buddha if there's so many angels about, how does the aura become contaminated? The aura becomes contaminated by its susceptibility. The aura is made of, as it were, a very plastic substance. It's almost as if the aura were a chameleon. It takes on the colorations of its environment, and it is very susceptible to the subconscious of the individual. Between the mass mind and the individual's own latent darkness, there is in the aura, then, a reflection of darkness rather than light only if the free will of the individual gives consent when we place ourselves in a horror movie we contaminate our aura with horror vibrations we enter fully into the fear the solar plexus begins to churn we find that our body chemistry changes even our heartbeat can change the pulse will change and this is because by free will the arc of the attention is centered on a vibration that will fill the aura with that vibration so we can choose to entertain angels or we can choose to entertain the darkness and of demons who are in opposition to the angelic hosts it is a question truly of free will why is it that people don't have more contact with angels well, it's a question of ignorance for the most part because people do not realize that the angelic hosts or the ascended masters cannot enter into the world in which we live, into time and space, unless we give the call. And this involves the law of octaves. 
that God will not interfere in our life unless we call to him. This is why Jesus taught us to pray the Our Father. We must give the prayer in order for God to contact us, and this is because God has given us an opportunity to prove whether or no we will come into alignment with his being. God said, Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. In this footstool kingdom, as it were, man is given complete dominion and complete authority. He is a lawmaker, he does what he wills, and he bears the consequences. It's a laboratory that God has created for us to learn to know right and wrong and by free will to return to him in the ritual of the ascension. Therefore, by cosmic law, the angelic hosts are not allowed to intercede or to enter our life unless we call to them. Kuthumi, writing about his incarnation of St. Francis in his book Studies of the Human Aura, said, We looked to the assistance of the angelic hosts as God's appointed messengers. We did not expect God himself to come down into the everyday situations we encountered that required some special ministration from heaven. But we knew that he would send legions in his name, with the seal of his authority and power to do his bidding. How tragic it is that some men, through the puffiness of human pride, will speak only to God directly, thereby ignoring those whom God has sent, including the ascended masters and the sons and daughters of God upon the planet, to whom is given a special ordination of conveying the message of truth unto humanity. Here is the point that God has ordained his angelic ministrants to minister unto us and they will come in full force in answer to our call. I know many devotees who would not go a day without calling to Archangel Michael and his legions for the protection of children, our homes, our lives, our cities, our nations, and so forth. And I have seen the intervention of Archangel Michael in the most miraculous way. I have seen where there have been car accidents, and the driver heard the crash, got out to look, and see what happened, and there was no injury to either car. The only explanation is that the impact was broken by an energy field that was not physical, because physically there was a crash. But a non-physical matrix, an auric emanation of a powerful being, an archangel, actually prevented damage to the vehicles as well as loss of life to those who were driving. We see such tragedy on our highways today and tragedy on the battlefield of life. And so much of this can be averted by the recognition that we are created to interact with the angelic hosts and that they are indeed the servants of God and man. Thank you very much. Up next, our weekly visit and Q&A with Sidney Bennett. Please stay with us. online community for positive change. Seventh Wave Network. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? And how do I get there? These are some of the basic questions we all ask ourselves on the spiritual path, and the answers we find certainly vary. Who are you? You are a child of God, and as a child of God, you carry within you the seed of actually becoming God. This seed is your Christ self, the same in you that is in Jesus Christ. 
Why are you here? To master yourself in order to graduate from Earth's schoolroom and reunite with the heart of God. Essentially, you are following in the footsteps of Jesus and other great saints and sages who have gone before. Where are you going? Home. Call it Nirvana, the hereafter, the heaven world, whatever you want. It's the next stop on your journey. And finally, how do you get there? Let us show you how. Visit us at www.tsl.org. We are the Summit Lighthouse. We practice and publish the teachings of the Ascended Masters, and we've got answers to all of your questions. Visit tsl.org today. The Summit Lighthouse. Master yourself. Become God. Technology is changing the way we live our lives and how we do business. On CIO Talk Radio, we talk about the benefits of technology and the great things it allows us to do, as well as its risks. Heard every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, Sunjo Gall interviews business leaders and other experts that are shaping the way we use technology. To learn more about this show, visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Keep up with the changing world of technology and listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjo Gall. Listen in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, right here on Voice America Business. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. You are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Ross Brunson and Tom Schumacher. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. We're back, and joining us once again is our friend Sidney Bennett. Hello, Sidney. Great to be here. Hi, Sidney. You know, this topic of angels is really fascinating to a lot of people, and I would certainly include myself in that. Mm -hmm. We know that God created angels, um, but what did he create them to do? Well, obviously many things, as Mrs. Prophet said in her uh, discussion a minute, we heard a minute ago. But I think one of the main things the angels here are to serve the sons and daughters of God. And it's interesting because God created the angels before he created us. It's just he anticipated the need that we would have of angelic hosts, um, and we come into physical embodiment. It's a whole other world, so mm-hmm. to speak, literally and figuratively. And we need help, and the angels are there to help us. And they can do many, many things for us, but obviously we have to know about them. And we have to know how to ask them to help us because, as Mr. Prophet mentioned, the law of octaves. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been said by many that children are particularly sensitive to the presence of angels. When the children are born, I mean, do they have any memories of angels? You know, and I, I know some people say, oh, that's fantasy or isn't that yeah. a cute story or whatever. And, you know, somehow it really rings true to me. Absolutely. And, you know, you can see it in babies when they come. They're much closer to the heavenly realm than we are. They most recently come from it. And many times you'll see children and babies looking up at almost something Uh that's not there. Mm -hmm. And they'll be smiling or waving their hands or do things. And very often they are seeing the angels who tend to the sweet children, the precious people of God. And, of course, as, as children grow older and they become more in the world, so to speak, they do mostly lose that ability to mm-hmm. see the angels. But, mm-hmm. you know, don't ever make fun of your children if they tell you they see an angel because oh. good chances are they do. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and, you know, as a follow-up, how long is it usually before these memories begin to fade? Well, of course, that's 
different with everybody probably, but once mm-hmm. they get to three and four and beyond and start to get more anchored, I said, in the physical, they may not always see them. But there are people that do see angels. And uh, it's interesting, I, uh, my grandmother, who was a uh, very devout Christian, when she was in her 90s, she was praying one day for help, and this being appeared at the foot of her bed, and she knew it was an angel, and she thought to herself, gee, I thought angels had wings. <laughs> and, and just as she thought that, these beautiful wings unfolded from behind this being. So, um, you know, it's not just children that see angels. As we mm-hmm. develop ourselves and our ability in God, we can see them too. Although, you know, we have to be careful. We don't go after these things prematurely. But all people have access to angels, and some are blessed by seeing them. Mm-hmm. You know, you mentioned your, your, your grandmother. My grandmother told a story about almost throwing a slipper at an angel that she saw. <laughs> she was very devout. She was praying. And out of the corner of her eye, she saw something, and she picked up her slipper, was about to hurl it when she turned and looked at full, fully at it and realized it was a, an angelic being just filled with light. She, I thought you were going to say she was. She thought it was the grandfather. <laughs> well, yeah. He, he was known to sneak around, too. But that's, that's something else. Um, you know, it doesn't exactly bring up this particular subject, but I've always wondered about this. Are there people alive today who were once angels? Absolutely. There are many angels in physical embodiment. In fact, in, in the Bible, it talks about um, you know, entertaining angels unawares. And what happens is this. The angels are so loving and so caring for people on this planet that they'll go to God or they'll go to their angelic hierarchy and say, I want to take physical embodiment so that I can help the people of planet Earth. I can work with them. I can show them. I can teach them. And there are risks associated with that because what happens when you come into embodiment is you lose the memory of who you were before. And so angels come into embodiment and forget their angels. And many do create their and fulfill their mission, but sometimes they get sidetracked, they make karma, and so they get back in the cycle of rebirth as well. So there are many, many angels on this planet in physical embodiment. They don't know their angels necessarily, but they are definitely here. And so they have a path to pursue as well. But I wanted to mention just one part of this was that, another part of this was that some will come for a specific mission. For example, Archangel Michael's angels are for their protective policemen, they're the military, defense, and so forth. And, and I remember seeing this show on the training of Navy carrier pilots. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, those guys look like angels. Uh-huh. And I'm sure some mm-hmm. of them were. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'd like to get a little more specific about this. I think what I heard you say is that these are angels who choose to come into embodiment at, at some level that right. they are making the conscious choice right. their free will choice free will choice to be embodied in human form right okay and and as part of that as i said sometimes they get caught up in the world of karma mm-hmm. they make karma like the rest mm-hmm. of us do and they get stuck here and so what happens is their comrades if you will that are still in heaven let's say they're of archangel michael's bands they love them very much they know they came here unselfishly to serve the people and they get caught up so they're trying to reach them mm-hmm. and they'll use these books and other things and mm-hmm. and to find them and find the way back home and it doesn't matter whether you're angel or not an angel it's still the same path and the same things you want to pursue but there are many among us, for sure. Do you think they're aware of the risk involved in embodiment? Well, they are aware of the risk, but um, that's how much they love. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they see the need is so great and how precious and how much they love God's creation. And they're willing to take that risk. Wow. And that is true love. That is true love. You know, it's fascinating to read through the comments of people and, and, and to be at an event. And uh, especially with the Little Angels book there, somebody once told me that and this, to your point, that this book was like coming home to a place they'd never seen before. They opened up the book and they started reading, and it was just like, "Oh my gosh, I feel I so feel about this so strongly." Uh, and I think maybe that might have been a person who had been an angel. Absolutely. Well, you know, one of the things too is that there are people who are, for whatever reason, a little embarrassed 
about uh, mentioning to someone else this kind of an intimate spiritual detail that they either see angels or they have a sense of their presence or even that they might even feel that they were once one themselves. It's not something you simply talk about it in a social environment. Well, no, not exactly. People might think you're a little strange, yeah. but, um, you know, that's something for your heart. And I just, I want to add here, too, that we want to be very careful that we don't try and pursue angels or things with the wrong motives. And, um, you know, many people are caught up in the psychic realm where they're getting voices or messages from the beyond, and they're not the true highest level. And so we have to be careful about that mm-hmm. in terms of what we pursue. But your devout, simple prayers to God will mm-hmm. always invoke the angelic hosts. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that leads into something that I wanted to talk about now, which is, you know, we can't talk too long about angels, good angels, without talking about Lucifer and those who fell from heaven and those who fell from grace. I mean, what can you tell us about the, the fall of the fallen well, angels? Well, we, we know from the Bible um, that Lucifer fell, and he fell on the point of pride. In other words, he would not bend the knee to God's creation, us. And he mm-hmm. said, you know, he said, I'm an archangel. Look at these guys, you know. <laughs> um, and yet he failed to acknowledge that the, the presence of God with each one of us, however imperfect we are. And so he literally was cast out of heaven by Archangel Michael, as we know from the book of Revelation, and he took a third of the angels with him, which is an incredible wow. thing. That's how powerful Lucifer was wow. and how high he was in heaven when he fell. But there are actually two falls. If you read the book of Enoch, which is uh, in Mrs. Prophet's book about the fallen angels, uh, it goes into detail. The second fall of the angels occurred when angels called the watchers fell um, because they looked after the daughters of men and, and, and desired them and lusted after them. And so they wanted to take physical embodiment. So they took a whole bunch of other angels with them. So there actually were two separate falls. Mm-hmm. Ouch. So um, it's probably safe to assume that the fallen angels are angry, shall we say, um, that they have been cast out of a state of grace, a state, you know, in, in the presence of God, down here to a world of density, um, we all, you know, we've talked about the astral plane before, but in terms of what the angels are doing right now, we have to assume that they're probably here in embodiment, and they're sowing more than simply mischief. Not well, just they're hanging out, right? Yeah. Well, they, they are. are, and I think what you have to understand is that when the angels fell from heaven, they were cut off from God. Yeah. And so many of them had a lot of light in their bank, so to speak, a lot of reservoir that would keep them going for thousands of years. But they weren't getting any new light from God. So one of the things they try and do is to steal the light from the sons and daughters of God who still have access to it. And if you've ever read the screw tape letters by C.S. Lewis, it makes a great uh, story of how they try and steal the light and the blood of the light bearers because that's the only way they continue their existence. Mm -hmm. And so they work to create wars, bloodshed, steal the light from people through anger and hatred and all these kind of things because it's released. And that's how they sustain themselves. The second part is they have a great hatred and animosity toward God and his creation for what has happened. So literally they are trying to destroy it in any way they can. So, uh, uh, taking that light, that vampire action of uh, taking the light is a strategy, is a tactic. Is there a primary goal? I mean, are they, are they literally, uh, pardon the expression, hell-bent on destroying us? Well, there's no future for the fallen angels. Now, and I want to repent, want to say that they can repent and, uh, and turn back to God, although very few have done so. Mm-hmm. But the future is not good because eventually they're going to run out of the storehouse of energy they build up or they're going to st- have stole from the light bears. So their end is sealed unless they change. And that, of course, as we know, is Book of Revelation, the second death. Mm-hmm. But they can go a very long time. And they, if they're going to go, they want to take as many light bears with them as yeah. they can. Well, 
<laughs> Frankly, that <laughs> scorched earth. But there is hope. I got to add, there <laughs> nice. is hope. Archangel Michael is more powerful. He kicked Lucifer out of heaven. Don't forget that. Oh yeah. Nice. So he's our friend, and he can protect us from the the plots of these other angels. Well, moving on with this very light topic. <laughs> um, so you know, it seems to me that the that the hatred that the fallen angels have of of God, God's creation, and this hunger that they have to steal light uh-huh. strikes a pretty ominous chord. I'll say. You know, I mean, what can we do? practically to counter their dark agenda and all this evil that they're that they're trying to bring well, in. You know, we know about the battle of Armageddon, uh, the battles of light versus darkness, and the angels, Archangel Michael will fight that battle for us, but we have to make the calls. We don't have to go up ourselves against these fallen angels. We call for Archangel Michael and the ascended masters to go up against them because they are powerful beings. But we must make the call, we must invoke their presence, and I can tell you the greatest tragedy for angels is when they are not asked to do things. Mm -hmm. In fact, we've been told that angels often encamp on the hillsides waiting for someone, someplace, to say a prayer or make a call that they can intercede. You know, we've recently gone through this situation in Egypt with the change of government. We saw it on TV. We saw it live in some cases. It was a perfect opportunity. Archangel Michael and your legions of light, go forth and take command of the situation in Egypt. Protect the people there and ensure God's will is done. You can say it live. You can see places mm-hmm. around the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's the key. We have to ask the angels for their help and their intercession. You know, many years ago, um, I found myself ar- arriving right at the scene of accidents or the moments after accidents that happened and things like that when I was in the service. And you're, you're trained. You know, we were all EMT trained and, and able to do first aid, et cetera. Uh, but it began to kind of, kind of freak me out a little bit. You know, it's like in some way I sort of began to feel maybe I was causing it or something like that. I actually wrote to Mrs. Prophet and asked her what the situation was. And she gave me a very short answer. She said, if you see it, you're responsible to make the call. Yeah. And it totally freed me up. It was like, wow, I get it. I understand. I'm seeing this because I'm there and I have the teachings and I know how to make a call and I can do it. And so I came up with a series of short calls. But is there, is there a really short call that everybody should remember? You know, what's the easiest way to Well, work? for instance, Archangel Michael, who is the one we'd call to normally in dire straits, is you know, a very simple fiat is, Archangel Michael, help me, help me, help me. It uh, can't be much simpler than that, and you don't not hard to remember, but nope. you're asking the angels to intercede and help you, um, and uh, they'll be there. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that for the moment, that's probably about all we have time for. We're going to be yep. coming back for some more of this wonderful conversation with Sidney Bennett. Please stay with us. The new home for visionary positive change. Seventh Wave Network. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? And how do I get there? These are some of the basic questions we all ask ourselves on the spiritual path, and the answers we find certainly vary. Who are you? You are a child of God, and as a child of God, you carry within you the seed of actually becoming God. This seed is your Christ self, the same in you that is in Jesus Christ. Why are you here? To master yourself in order to graduate from Earth's schoolroom and reunite with the heart of God. Essentially, you are following in the footsteps of Jesus and other great saints and sages who have gone before. Where are you going? Home. Call it nirvana, the hereafter, the heaven world, whatever you want. It's the next stop on your journey. And finally, how do you get there? Let us show you how. Visit us at www.tsl.org. 
We are the Summit Lighthouse. We practice and publish the teachings of the Ascended Masters, and we've got answers to all of your questions. Visit tsl.org today. The Summit Lighthouse. Master yourself. Become God. Now there's a new destination for video content. VoiceAmerica.tv. Just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7. VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us support you. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. You are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Ross Brunson and Tom Schumacher. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. Hello again, everyone. Um, we are back once again for more discussion with Sydney Bennett on the subject of angels. Um, and I had a question about uh, the, the way in which we can affect situations. Uh, Ross mentioned uh, about being on site when accidents uh, would occur and the impact that we could have by making calls. And the question is, if we make calls for other people, are we, in, are we possibly interfering with their free will? No, not necessarily. And I think the reason that we aren't is because whenever we make a call or a prayer, that's always what we say according to God's holy will. Mm-hmm. Now, if you could see someone about to have an accident, you know, just you can ask Archangel Michael, the angels, to help them, obviously. Mm-hmm. But it's implied that you do that. And people do have free will. And, you know, very often people's karma will come due that could be mitigated or set aside if they had known in advance to say the prayers, invoke the violet flame, call for protection. And the mercy of God allows us to make that call for other people sometimes. Hmm. And so you're not really imposing your will on them, but in emergency situations, obviously you make the call, it allows the angels to intercede and leave the rest up to God. Um, In normal day-to-day prayers, you have to be very careful. You don't try and impose your will on other people, but praying for our family, our loved ones, for our nation, for our soldiers, for those that serve the cause of life, is absolutely the right thing to do, and let God will adjust it according to His will when you make that call. So maybe just to paraphrase that a little bit, uh, it is okay absolutely. to pray to have someone else's karma mitigated in certain circumstances. Well, you pray for God's will for them, whatever the mercy mm-hmm. and the grace of God right. and whatever their soul needs to learn. But calls can make the difference, and there's always karmic situations, and we have to trust it in God's will and not ours when we pray for people. Yeah. Um, but uh, it'll work. It'll help. I sum it up for myself as make the call and let God sort it out. Yeah, yeah, you exactly. know what I mean. Just yeah. you know, you don't have to stand there while while an accident's about to happen and say, uh, "Dear Lord, according to God's holy will, it's like just make the call. Yeah, yeah, It'll exactly. be okay." You know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I had something that happened once. I was driving home from work one night, and I was turning left to go on the freeway, and the sun was right in my eyes, and there was a car in front of me and a kid coming on a bike. And this lady turned right into him because she couldn't see him because of the sun. And I said, Archangel Michael, take command. And this person flipped off the the bike, went head first, and looked. No, no, and looked like it hit this this girl hit her head on the curb. I thought, oh, God, I mean, she could be dead. 
And, you know, I got out of the car and ran over. And when I, time I got there, she was sitting up. Oh, now, I believe wow. God made the difference yeah. for her. I happened mm-hmm. to be there. I knew to make the call. And God used that as what the same thing happened to you, Ross. Yeah. Oh. yeah. You know, one thing that, uh, that's really important is a lot of people don't think about their transport. They don't think about what happens when they get in the car, when they go somewhere. And we have a habit as a family, and I think a lot of people do, of, you know, doing a little bit of prayer to Archangel Michael or something, you know, as we get into the vehicle. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like God, you know, safely transport us to where we're going. Uh, is there is there a recommendation, like from the Archangel Michael book? Well, in, in fact, the book, um, I Am Your Guard, but Archangel Michael, there's what we call traveling protection. And again, going back to the concept of when you need a specialist, you ask for a specialist. Yeah. Archangel Michael and his angels we're there to protect us. And God knows it's risky going on the roads these days and everything you do. So it's a very simple prayer, and it's in this book if you uh, want to get it. But I'll just repeat it. And this is what we say before we get in the car. And my 8-year-old daughter gives it along with us as we pray for the angels to protect us. Very simply, we say, Lord Michael before, Lord Michael behind, Lord Michael to the right, Lord Michael to the left, Lord Michael above, Lord Michael below, Lord Michael, Michael, wherever I go. I am his love protecting here. I am his love protecting here. I am his love protecting here. We kind of give that mm-hmm. as, a, as, a, mm-hmm. as a fervent prayer. And so all of a sudden, the angels have full permission, permission to put the armor of God, so to speak, mm-hmm. the blue lightning, the blue flame protection around your vehicle and every place you go. Yeah. Um, it's just common sense. It you, is. Know, you wouldn't go without your seatbelt. Why get in the car without Archangel Michael? This is the cosmic seatbelt. Exactly. Exactly right. You know, we do the same thing. And it's so it's so wonderful to hear her little clear bell-like voice of my daughter in the back, <laughs> yeah. you know, doing that. Uh, one of the first things she fell in love with was, was the decrees as we would go along. And so suddenly in the middle of no, nowhere, you know, out of, apropos of absolutely nothing, she would begin to do it. Yeah. And the first time she did that, it nearly wrote, drove off the road. <laughs> <laughs> my my wife and I were flying um, someplace recently, and I, I do the traveling protection when I'm in a plane. Sure. And I leaned over, and I was just I was speaking it slightly aloud, but I happened to be leaning into my wrist where, where my wristwatch is. And I looked up, and I saw this little boy about six years old. He's looking at me from across the aisle, and he said. <laughs> Are you a sky marshal? <laughs> and I said, yes, and I'm reporting to my boss right now. <laughs> <laughs> Do you tell him to eat his vegetables? Then? <laughs> right. Yes, we're watching you. Um, mm. I'd like to, uh, if you don't mind, Sidney, kind of go back to the fallen angels here for a moment, but from a slightly different angle. Um, what can you tell us about fallen angels who have repented, who have been, I guess the word is restored? Well, you know, the grace of God is always there. And Angels are great followers. It's the nature of their being, and that's perhaps one of the reasons that a third of them fell with Lucifer. And they always have the opportunity to come back and to repent of their deeds, just like we have, ask for forgiveness, and begin in the, large, long, the march back to God. Um, but very few of them do, because mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. happens is you build up such a momentum of negativity, and this is true not only of angels, but of all of us, it's very hard to change your momentums. And so if you see a pattern or anything in your life that you don't like, it's very important to challenge it, because what happens is people will carry this from embodiment to embodiment. And so even as the fallen angels, the more evil they engage in and the more they do their things, they build up a momentum that that it's harder for them to come back. And mm-hmm. so we need to work mm-hmm. on our momentums as well. But know there is always grace and mercy for those that will turn to God, even for the fallen angels. Yeah. Well, do you have any idea of how many of those original fallen angels have been restored? No, I don't know that we know that for sure. But I don't think it's a lot simply for those reasons. And also, it's a, they have karma. And they will have to balance that karma. 
But you know, we all have karma. And if we have a pure heart and pure motives, no matter how big that karma is, God will give us the opportunity to balance it and to right the wrongs, whatever we have done. And that includes, as I said, the fallen angels, if they will choose. Yeah. You know what I found is really helpful for me? It's like, you know, you, you get to the point where you are and you've, you've, you've been on this earth for a few years. Uh, not as many as some, but a few years. <laughs> and, <you> uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'll insult other people later. Um, and and being being in a position of having to explain these very vast and complex concepts mm-hmm. to my young child in terms that she you know her Christ mind can understand, but on Earth this time she needs a pretty simple, pretty straightforward, and it's 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 infinitely amusing to me, but it's also really instructive to me to have to boil down one of these concepts into a short sentence. You know, and so when you're when you're thinking about these these items and you're and you're talking to people, it's good to have thought these things out so that when somebody asks you a question about, you know, oh, do you believe in angels? Absolutely, I believe in angels, and here's why. And just roll that right out. You may be helping a person greatly. Absolutely, the simplest call can make a, such a difference. And you know, the three of us didn't know these things. Um, this is not our wisdom. I want you to know these no. are the teachings <laughs> of the masters. Uh, this is right. prophet and and. Mark Prophet brought forth before her, and that's where the wisdom comes from. But we've seen it work in our lives and the lives of others, and it's transformed us. And it can you too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I'm going to ask you probably a big question. This probably going to be take up more space than the minute we have left. But um, Jesus said, if the light in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? And the reason I bring that up is that I know people, in fact, I have to admit that I have done this myself. When I have been confronted with something I consider to be evil, I thought I could tackle it myself. <laughs> what I didn't realize until the masters basically made it pretty plain, and what I read is that those fallen angels, despite the fact they're fallen, probably had a lot more attainment than you. So if you think you're going to confront a fallen angel, you better ask for reinforcements. Absolutely. That's, that's Archangel Michael's job and the mm-hmm. other angels to do that. You don't have to do that yourself. Our job is to make the call. Mm-hmm. And, of course, in the physical plane, we also many of us have roles where we have to take responsibility and govern in the economy to do things in the physical plane. But we don't challenge them of our own human self. It's in God's name and let them do the rest. So quickly, what can you tell us about our guardian angel? Well, we all have a guardian angel. It's also known as our Holy Christ Self. It's the voice of our conscience that's there to help us, to protect us, to guide us. Don't forget to ask your guardian angel for guidance and direction every day. It's comforting to me to know that the angels are with us. Mm-hmm. They're by us. If we can ask for their help, they'll be there. It's, it's a great ple- privilege to call upon the angels and to know that they are ready to help us. Well, you know, I have the same experience every week, Sydney. <laughs> this time goes by so fast. And uh, I think it's because this is such an interesting topic, and we'll get back to it at another time. But for now, unfortunately, that's all the time we have. Um, But we do hope that you will join us again next week. Please do so. In the meantime, remember, though the upward path may be difficult, the rewards are out of this world. Yes, they are. Thanks, everyone. Again, for joining us this week for The Open Door. This program is broadcast live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. For more information about The Open Door and the Summit Lighthouse, please visit our website at www.tsl.org. We'll see you again next week.